0: So Paul has got some handouts that he's handing around. I think the top 20 or so of those are colour because I couldn't work the printer this morning. So if, you're sitting, so if you're sitting near the front, then you're going to get a colour handout. There's an incentive. Uh, so we're continuing our season on Romans. We've been looking at Romans for about three months or so on and off over the last uh, time that we've been together on a Sunday. I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed it. It's the first time that I've had a chance to actually be part of the whole delivering the series but I've really enjoyed just listening and following it along it's an incredible book it's possibly the centrepiece of the New Testament I just love it I, I think it's, it's got such an amazing sense about it in terms of taking us through uh, all the way from the beginning of what we believe all the way through the argument about uh, why everyone needs the gospel how God saves people what it means to, to live in Jesus and all the way through to you know, what that actually means for us in normal life So I'm privileged to be able to share the penultimate uh, message to you this morning. uh, Nigel's going to finish things off for us in a few weeks' time, in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, So uh, if we could have, have we got the slides up? That's great. Okay. Yes, that works great. So one of the ways of looking at Romans, as you've probably seen before if you've been in church at all in the last three months or so, is this view of the mountaintop. So Romans is structured a little bit like a mountain trek. Uh, we start at the begotten, introducing the Romans, uh, introducing Paul's letter to the Romans. Paul wrote this letter uh, to the Roman church, having never met them, but he had heard a lot about them, heard about some of their struggles and challenges. And he wrote them this letter, which contains his argument for and his manifesto for the way that he believed in Jesus. And that's why it's so important, because it's, it's a record to us as to basically his, his full working out of his faith and what that means uh, to the Roman church, which we can then use to, to figure out you know, what that means to us. So this is the mountaintop that he takes us through, Uh, the idea that uh, sharing the basis of the gospel and why he cares so much about it, uh, why everybody needs the gospel in the first two or three chapters, how God saves people, then climbing up this mountain. And at this point, it's quite tricky because he talks a lot about uh, sin and what that means and selfishness and why that separates us from God. Then he takes us through what God actually did for us, what Jesus did when he died for us, and how that kind of works itself out uh, in, in dealing with our selfishness. In our sin, and then he goes through as to how that plan works out for both Jews who believed in the Old Law and for Gentiles. Gentile is actually a Jewish word for barbarian. It means us, basically. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, It's basically the other people who are not Jews, and and it actually could be translated barbarian. What can I say? But uh, but yes. So so that's that's basically working out. You know which uh, which camp you fall in and what that means for you because it's slightly different for for Jews as it is for Gentiles, and then. at the beginning of chapter 12, we start looking at what that actually means in terms of how we practically live our lives. So last time, Nigel was talking about government and submitting to the authorities and all the kind of things that, that come up with that. This week, we're really talking about how we submit to each other and how we get on with each other in church. So let me just scoot on to the next verse. I love this. It's amazing what you can find on the internet, isn't it? This is actually a piece of an original manuscript from about the 4th century of Romans 14, I thought that was quite cool. Uh, It's obviously in Greek and I can't read that, but I thought it was cool to show you anyway. Uh, So thankfully some smart people have translated it for us. Uh, So I'm going to read through the first kind of part of, in fact, we're going to read the whole of Romans chapter 14 and then we're going to talk about it. So this is what Romans 14 says. If you have a Bible or a phone, this would be a great time to look it up. So I'll let you do that for a minute. Accept the one whose faith is weak. "'without quarreling over disputable matters. "'One person's faith allows them to eat anything, "'but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. "'The one who eats anything "'must not treat with contempt the one who does not, "'and the one who does not eat everything "'must not judge the one who does, "'for God has accepted him. "'Who are you to judge someone else's servant? "'To their own master servants stand or fall, "'and they will stand, "'for the Lord is able to make them stand.'" One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and give thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord." And if we die, we die for the Lord. So, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in himself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, You are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. We're almost there. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification, Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith... Is sin. Once I saw this guy on a bridge, this is a joke, it's not me actually, about to jump. I said, don't do it. He said, nobody loves me. I said, God loves you. Do you believe in God? He said, yes. I said, are you a Christian or a Jew? He said, a Christian. I said, me too. Protestant or Catholic? He said, Protestant. I said, me too. What denomination? He said Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? He said Northern Baptist. I said, me too. Northern conservative Baptist or Northern liberal Baptist? He said Northern conservative Baptist. I said, me too. Northern conservative Baptist Great Lakes region or Northern conservative Baptist Eastern region? He said Northern conservative Baptist Great Lakes region. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. I said, die, you heretic, and pushed him off. (laughs) We are in a spiritual battle. As believers and followers of Jesus, we we are on a mission. Our mission is to bring the kingdom of God to the earth, to join in with Jesus in his mission, to send and bring the kingdom of God that is fully God and fully God's rule and reign into the present age. That is our mission. But we have an enemy, and our enemy would seek to divide us in that mission. He would seek to cause us to fraction into tiny little groups. He would seek to have us disagree over the most trivial of matters and fall out for centuries over the things that really don't matter and are not central to the mission of Jesus. It's so easy for us, isn't it, to be divided and excluded. And that's why that joke is funny, because we can all relate to it in some small way. Uh, by excluding others, in some way we feel safer. Uh, by putting people outside uh, some sort of wall or club that we've kind of put up there, we feel a bit more inside, don't we? Do you know that tendency? Uh, Now, the Roman Church that we just uh, read uh, a little section of the letter to was struggling with a particular issue. In this case, and this is the best picture I could find of the Roman Church struggling with this particular issue, it's not that bad, Uh, it's much more than just about what they wanted to eat, whether they ate meat or vegetables, whether they could uh, maybe meet on a particular day, or maybe meet every day, or whether Sunday was special, or whether Saturday was special. You see, the problem was that the Roman church was made up of a wide variety of people. It was a large city, possibly the largest city in the world at that time. I'm not quite sure. A history teacher would tell me whether I was right or not. But it was a huge city of the time. There were a wide variety of people from all parts of the Roman Empire who lived there. And a number of them had decided to follow Jesus. However, they they had all come from different traditions and backgrounds. So some of them were Jewish, some of them had a Jewish tradition, and they uh, were very much going with their family tradition of what they should eat and not eat. So they followed the Jewish law about uh, what they could eat and what they couldn't eat, so they couldn't eat pork, for example. They had to uh, have sacrifices on certain days, and they didn't want to work on the Sabbath, which was a Saturday. Now, a lot of the believers in the Roman church were Gentile believers. They were not Jews. Uh, they were Greek-influenced. Uh, so so uh, the Roman Empire was mostly influenced culturally by the Greek Empire, which had gone before it. And, and the kind of Greek culture was part of, part of their, the very fabric of their society. And they believed in, uh, traditionally, they uh, had a whole different way of doing life, uh, which was very, very different from the way that the Jews did it. Now, they were trying to put these two groups of people together. Uh, in one community, in one church. Now that was difficult because traditionally Jews and Gentiles wouldn't even have been seen in the same room. It was, it was forbidden for Jews to even be in the same house as a, as a Gentile person. So if you think about it, if these divisions, these issues were allowed to propagate in the Roman church, then actually it was causing a, a rift in the social fabric of their community. Uh, because it would cause division. If you think about it, they can't sit down to eat together and agree on what they should eat. Then there's a real problem there, because it means that they can't form a community. Also, if there's a problem about whether you you meet to worship God on a Saturday or you meet to worship God on a Sunday, uh, there's a problem if you can't agree on that, uh, or if you uh, can't figure out where the middle ground is, because that means that some people would say, well, I'm not I'm not interested in those people who I meet on a Sunday. I'm going to just meet on a Saturday, and that's the holy day. That's what God says in his Bible. And they would shun the people who uh, wanted to maybe meet on a Sunday, which is when most of the, the non-Jewish members of the church would have met because that was the day of the resurrection of Jesus. So this is a, this is a problem. You can see how it, it sounds trivial in terms of which day we meet or, or what we should eat, but actually it was much deeper than that. Uh, and also their reaction to the way that this particular issue was dealt with in the church was not great so the ones who were uh, uh saying that we could only do things a certain way were actually looking down and condemning the others and saying well you obviously can't be believers then you can't be properly following jesus because only people who do things like the way we want to do it are properly following jesus right and then the and then the other group were uh, guilty of the opposite problem which was uh, well if you're going to be like that i don't want anything to do with you you know because you're basically condemning us and i offense. Uh, So one group is taking offense at the other group's practices and the other group is taking offense at the other first group's offense. Do you see what I mean? So it's causing the church to be moving apart rather than moving closer together. And that's why Paul spends quite a chunk of Romans trying to deal with this issue. Now, this kind of issue has caused many, if not most, of the church schisms and splits that we've had throughout the ages. So whether or not we take a communion in a certain way, whether we baptise infants as, sorry, we baptise infants or we baptise adults, do we, are we allowed to drink alcohol? Uh, do, are we allowed to eat meat? Are we allowed to Do we have to have organ music in worship? Do we have to have guitars in worship? Do we not have to have guitars in worship? Are blue jeans in church from the devil? Hopefully not. <laughs> worship that's too quiet, worship that's too loud, worship that's too much music, worship that has too little music, uh, whether or not girls will, should wear makeup or not wear makeup, whether girls should have long hair, the value of praying to icons, whether it's allowed to pray to Mary or the saints, uh, confession, whether that's an appropriate thing to do, praying set prayers at certain times. There's all these sorts of issues that are, that have debatable uh, arguments for and against on both sides. And the issue that Paul's dealing with is not incidentally this particular issue mostly, but it's about how people deal with these issues. How are we supposed to live together whilst dealing with these issues? Okay. So Paul talks about two groups of people. Okay, and we're going to look at them in quite some detail. And as you've gathered, as, as you've been listening to Romans and listening to that chapter, Paul writes in a certain quite intricate style. So it takes a little while to unpack what he's saying, and it requires a bit of brain power. but we're going to go for it anyway. So these are the, the two groups of people that Paul was talking about, uh, and we're going to look at the, the errors on both sides. So the first uh, group is called the weak group, and the second group he calls the strong group. So let's look at the weak group first. So this is the weak group. The error of the over-scrupulous. Okay, so he would describe the weaker group as those who have certain legalistic scruples which are non-core to the gospel of Jesus. And these people are condemning and excluding other people for not doing those things or doing those things. Does that make sense? So they're taking offense at the actions of others and they're shunning them for it. Okay, so in this case, it was that the fact that they were eating meat or eating uh, particular types of meat that were non-kosher or that they were were meeting on any particular day of the week rather than on Saturday, which was the Sabbath. They weren't keeping Sabbath. Does that make sense? Now, to us, that seems a bit weird, but I'm sure we can think of our own examples, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But first, why does Paul call this group weaker? You know, it's an odd phrase to use. So the reason he calls them weaker is because they have not thought about the full implications of the gospel in terms of what can and can't be done so in this case paul is saying that there really isn't no there is really is no need to worry about what people should eat or not eat because jesus has declared all foods clean but there are some people who are thinking oh just to make sure that i'm on the right side of god i'm going to do this and and therefore all of those people who are not doing that are not clearly believers does that make sense Sounds quite a lot like the Pharisees. Do you remember the Pharisees from, you know, maybe 10, 20 years before when Jesus was was saying, you know, they had to do all of this hand washing and, you know, wear certain things on their robes and, and go around and not pick even ears of corn on the Sabbath? There was a whole bunch of uh, rules, legalistic rules that Jesus came up against in his ministry, which he was basically very harsh on and says you mustn't follow the righteousness of the Pharisees, those people. Uh, so all of the religiously Jews who are making other Jews feel bad, it's the same problem. Now it's the Jews who are making the Gentiles feel bad. Okay? So they're weaker because they have not thought through the full implications of the gospel. When we think of weaker and stronger, it's quite a pejorative term in the sense that we look down on the weaker. But, and he's, we, 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 I want to get away from that. We just need to think of people who haven't quite thought through what the gospel means. Um, In this case, there is no need to worry about what people eat or what they consider Saturday or Sunday to be more special, uh, because uh, the gospel is a permissive and inclusive thing. Okay, and certain areas. Now, the trick is which areas, and we'll come to that later. Uh, So, how do we do this? What areas of our lives do are we perhaps weaker when we haven't thought things through? Okay, it's very easy to take any practice. That we do, and think that other people who don't do that practice are maybe lesser in some way. Uh, for example, we have guitars and a band on a Sunday, right? I love that. I think it's great. Uh, in 30 years ago, that could have been a real stumbling block to some people in the church, having the fact that you have guitars and a drum kit in church. You know, especially you know, I'm sort of thinking more like in the 50s and 60s, really. That was a really big deal. Uh, but for us, perhaps we think that people who don't do that. Uh, Maybe falling into this. Those people with their silly liturgies and all of their things, they stand up and sit down all the time. And I've, I've been guilty of that, you know, almost looking down on people and saying, you know, all of those practices, they don't matter anymore. We can just do what we like. Do you see what I'm saying? So even looking at other people's practices and thinking that they are in some way restrictive or, or that kind of thing is, is perhaps what Paul's talking about here. How about uh, believers with a Muslim background? Just throwing it out there. How about uh, Muslims who describe themselves as Muslims who follow Jesus? Do we think, because of some of their cultural practices, they are less or more believers and followers of Jesus? Uh, perhaps Muslims who still attend mosque but pray to Jesus. What does that look like? How do we think about what that looks like? Uh, what about smoking? What about drinking alcohol? What about reading Harry Potter? I'm not coming down on either side of these arguments deliberately. I'm just pointing them out as things in our society that we maybe take issue about or don't take issue about. Do you know what I'm saying? And Paul's giving us guidance for how we deal with these issues. Okay, this is what this is all about. Not the issues, because there will be issues and the, uh, throughout till he comes back for the next goodness knows how many years or whatever. Uh, and the issues will change probably every year or every 10 years. Okay? So the idea is to think about how, we, how do we deal with this. Okay. Now, Romans is all about the righteousness, peace, and joy, and salvation of Jesus throughout the whole of the previous 13 chapters. So he's really applying those 13 chapters to this. Okay? Now, some of these things may be important, but perhaps they're not core. And many people with a tendency to legalism haven't quite thought through the Bible out. So the challenge to us is, and again, I'm not coming down on either side of an issue. That's really for our own hearts to, to, to do. The tendency for us is to, some of us will, will be, have a tendency to have a lot of scruples. Okay, Maybe those scruples aren't actually right. Or maybe it's okay for other people not to follow them. Um, and the worst thing that we could possibly do is to have pride about what we think. Oh, well, I'm definitely better than that person because they think this or that. Uh, C.S. Lewis says, pride is spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. Now, think about it like this. Um, part of my job is I work for the church uh, part-time, but I also work as a coach and a mentor uh, going into different companies and telling them basically how they should run their, and organize their teams and, and things like that. Now, imagine if I sort of turned up at your company unannounced and uninvited and just started telling your team what to do. Would that go down well? No, probably not. Uh, so in the same way that I need permission from usually someone quite senior to come in who then needs to introduce me uh, to the team and say, this guy is going to come and help us with this particular area, that gives me then permission and authority to actually uh, speak into that team, right? And I'm very keen on that introduction. Whenever I go into a new company, I went into a new company in Ireland last week, and I didn't know them at all, and I was very keen to have a phone call before and be introduced by the guy who was actually uh, organizing this, to make sure that I had the authority to actually say something. Do you know what I mean? And I was very keen to make sure that happened. In the same way, with some of these issues, when we start saying to people, oh, you need to behave like this or not behave like that, or you need to do that, actually, it's like me going into a team without having proper authority. Jesus is their master. Jesus is their boss. He's their, he's their judge, okay? Now, let's have a look at the opposite issue. There's a t- tendency to be a bit like this guy, uh, and that's kind of the best picture i could find for whatever <laughs> basically is like, i'm just going to have a glass of wine i don't care about you and your stuff and your uh, scruples now paul calls these the stronger believers uh these are the people who are convinced in their mind that they can act in the way that they do and they don't care about the other guy's scruples okay now the problem here is is where this group take offense at the other people taking offense at them if that makes sense and this is where division grows. So those who have been condemned as being li- leaving, living inappropriately tend to patronize or look down on those with the scruples as being these legalistic idiots, right? Um, so you might just you know, have a drink and toast them and just ignore them and ignore their scruples. Now Paul talks very clearly about a really important value of unity. Okay, He says here, For "'If your brother is grieved by what you are eating, "'you are no longer walking in love.'" By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. What he means is that by what we're doing, if we're not careful, we'll start looking down on them, we'll start picking fights, we'll start needless arguments, we will lose relationship with them. And ultimately, our little freedom, which we might think is hard won, is much, much less important than their soul. Because if we we sort of flaunt our freedoms in our particular faith – that we are convinced are right and just as they're convinced that they're right and they've really sought God and you've sought God and you've both come to different conclusions, which does happen, uh, what ends up happening is that we end up doing a couple of things. One is that we can tempt them to sin. Now that sounds weird because if you say to someone, oh, go and have a drink, it doesn't really matter, but they're not convinced that drinking is uh, is okay and they then have a drink, but they're doing it out of not really quite being convinced paul says that that's actually wrong for them to do that does that make sense so it's important that we act um with integrity in all things and if we're tempting people to do things that we ourselves are able to do but they aren't able to do we're actually tempting them to act out of uh as a place where they're not they don't have integrity does that make sense it's quite a complicated idea but but basically it, it isn't sinful for us to do it but it's sinful for their to do it because of the state of their heart okay and again we can 't we don 't have jurisdiction over their heart okay that 's up to them and the Holy Spirit and God, so therefore, we have to be quite careful in the way we behave in order to make sure that we 're not causing them to fall into some kind of uh, some kind of sinful practice okay which they don 't um, which they aren't comfortable with and ultimately we have to keep relationship with people it's very easy uh, for people just to say well we're just going to go off and form our own church where we do this this way and you guys do that that way and then and then everyone just splinters and fragments and paul's very uh, carefully warning the church against that unfortunately it sounds like if paul's advice and we can see from church history wasn't always followed because you can see the state of the churches in these days it's in a thousand separate fragments now Uh, We're very lucky in our city that we have a lot of unity amongst the churches, and we work very, very hard at that, partly for this reason. We don't always agree with all of their practices, but we value unity because Paul valued unity more than anything else. Does that make sense? That doesn't mean that we necessarily have to agree with them But it does mean that we have to love them, bless them, encourage them in their faith. And that may mean refraining from doing certain things in order to uh, be kind to them in their own belief system. Does that make sense? So if we have a particular freedom, maybe we shouldn't take that freedom, for example. I remember John Wimber said years ago, he used this as an example, where uh, in the American church, uh, especially sort of 70s, 80s, 90s, there was a real problem uh, in the discussion about whether you should drink alcohol. Should should Christians drink alcohol? And this is still an issue in the American church. It's less of an issue in this church, but it's very much an issue there. And he wrestled with this with God. And he uh, would ask God, you know, is it okay to drink? Is it not okay to drink? And then in the end, he became fully convinced in his own mind that it was okay to drink. That's what he decided for him. But then he chose not to drink. And the reason he did that was because he felt that he would be a stumbling block because he was in charge of, you know, a thousand or so churches in the U.S., he would felt that it would be a stumbling block to enough believers that his freedom to drink was less important than their, than their um, faith. Does that make sense? Um, so so that's, that was his choice. And I always remember him saying that. It was just an aside in a talk he gave 20 years ago. But, but it just made me think, actually, that's real humility and grace, isn't it? To have the grace to say, I'm not going to do that just because you would find it hard. And so often we tend to rebel, don't we, when people condemn us. But, but that's not what Paul's teaching here. This is challenging stuff. Ultimately, how do we decide? And I've written this on your sheets twice because it's so important. On verse 5, it says, Everyone must be fully convinced in his own mind, both the weaker and the stronger believer. It is our onus above all things to search the scriptures, search God, search the Bible, find out what we believe to be true about a particular issue. Okay. So take the Harry Potter issue, for example. It is beholden upon us. Uh, whether we believe that it is wrong to read Harry Potter or right to read Harry Potter, to search the scriptures to find out whether we think that or not. Does that make sense? Now, we have to be fully convinced whether we are right or we're not. Now, then it is up to those of us who decided that's not appropriate to make sure we're not condemning or looking down on the others who are also reading the scriptures carefully. And it's important for those who think it's okay to say, Maybe, maybe I just need to not leave my books lying around because it offends you. Or maybe it's not good for me to recommend them to your children <laughs> or, or something. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I'm trying to use it as an example uh, of, of ways in which we need to live with what Paul's saying here. Ultimately, as followers of Jesus, we believe in his claims. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Part of God himself has been given us on earth to comfort us, to counsel us and to guide us. Um, he is the one who we can listen to to get answers. Now, isn't it funny that we pray, we seek God, we search the Bible, we try and figure out stuff, and yet we seem to reach different conclusions. I I, I wish it would be so much easier if we didn't, (laughs) but but that's not how God's made us, and that for me is a bit of a mystery. I don't understand why we don't all come to the same conclusion, Uh, but ultimately Paul's answer to that is go back to the Holy Spirit, ask him what you think, and then deal with other people's conclusions in this way. Does that make sense? So obviously this is not something that we should all be working towards. This is something we need to figure out how to live with. And maybe God has done that so that we can learn how to live together in unity, probably, I think. Um, So when we're taken to take offence to the practices of another, let's bring those offences to God and allow him to help us decide how to act. Now there's one final thing here, which is a really important thing. How do we know whether an issue is a matter of conscience or not? how do we know whether this is disputable at all? Okay, so there are some issues which are not disputable. So for example, uh, if someone came to me and said, I don't believe that Jesus is Lord. I don't believe that he died. I don't believe that he rose again. I don't really believe in that. I just believe that I can do what I like and then I'm going to go to heaven. And because Paul says that you can't condemn me, um, you can't say anything about that. Does that make sense? Now for me, Paul is not talking about that issue he's talking about an issue which god has not clearly forbidden nor has he clearly commanded in this case this is a this for me is a uh, what's known as a doctrinal issue it's an issue that that is so central to my belief that i would have to say i don't believe that you've got it right buddy you know what i mean i i would have to say that to that person because i don't believe that that's an issue where you can choose to disagree i believe that's central to our faith okay in the same way uh some people would say the issue of having guitars in church is not a doctrine, that, that's central, central to what I believe. And therefore, we can't disagree about it. So Paul, Paul is not saying that, you know, we can, we, Paul's not talking about that, he's talking about food. You, we're talking about guitars, you know, it's so completely different. Do you know what I'm saying? So again, I would question that. I would say, actually, I think that's probably disputable. I think that the issue of whether or not you can use guitars in worship is one that I think we can agree to disagree on. We both need to seek God like I've been talking about. Uh, Tim Keller says, we must guard against thinking that almost every area is disputable. And we must also guard against thinking that hardly any area is disputable. So some of us will tend to one or the other, and we need to guard against both. <clears throat> now, actually, some of the most contentious issues in our day <clears throat> usually uh, are teetering on the edge of this. Some people would say that these, the issues are disputable. Some people would say the issues aren't disputable. And ultimately, how do we decide whether an issue is disputable or isn't? And this is, I think, a harder question than whether we are right or not. And ultimately, we have to come back to the Bible. <laughs> we have to come back to seeking the Holy Spirit and being fully convinced in our own mind, as it says in verse 5. We've got to seek God for ourselves. We've got to decide for ourselves. We can't just accept the views that other people impose on us or the views in which we were raised. We have to seek God for ourselves, and we have to trust that he will speak to us. Jesus said that he would leave the Holy Spirit for us in order to comfort us, counsel us, and guide us. Therefore, we have to trust him to do it. But we don't have anything else. You know, We have to seek what the Bible says, and we have to seek what the Holy Spirit says through the Bible. Uh, Tim Keller, again, would say, and he's a... He's a, 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 a a thinker and a scholar and a pastor of a large church in New York, he says that if there is broad disagreement amongst mature Bible-believing Christians over a period of time, then you're probably safe to say you can agree to disagree. Do you know what I mean? But if there's broad consensus amongst mature Bible-believing Christians over a period of time that something is true or not, then you've got to be careful when you start thinking it, saying suddenly that it's disputable. Does that make sense? So again, it comes down to our own conscience and our own thoughts on the matter and and ultimately the Holy Spirit has to speak to us through the Bible okay let me just finish with this don't know if any of you saw this earlier this month or last month Um, this is Michelle Obama (coughs) at the State of the Union Address (coughs) in Congress there's an empty chair next to her she asked for that chair to be left there deliberately (coughs) excuse me in order to highlight the plight of those who suffer from gun violence in the US. Now, I'm not making a political statement here, but I'm, what I'm just highlighting is the fact that she is making a statement to highlight the plight of those people who aren't at the table, who are excluded. Okay, she's, she's basically, the inference is, is that the people who are there, who are all the politicians in America, um, were potentially needed to think about the people who aren't there. Uh, those people who have been killed by guns. That's that's her, that's her political statement. I'm not here to make a political statement. What I want to do, though, is to think about who is missing from our community. Who do we exclude from our community through our actions, and who do we exclude through our practices and our language? Um, do we subconsciously think, for example, now this may not be your issue, but I want to, us to think about it. Do we subconsciously think people have to be a certain way, or dress a certain way, or attend a certain set of courses in the right order in order to know Jesus, maybe. The Holy Spirit draws people, but he also allows different tastes and a wide variety of opinions. Um, I think Alpha is a fantastic course. It's a brilliant course. It's wonderful. It has brought so many people to Jesus for so many years. It's not for everyone, and I think all of us would say that. Um, but how many of us have subconsciously thought Oh, they'll just go to an Alpha course and then sort of forgotten about them. But maybe that's not where they're at. Maybe that's not the right thing for them. Alpha is wonderful and helpful, but do sometimes we abdicate to it. Maybe we just need to open up the Bible with them and look look at it with them in relationship. Just a thought. And that's just an example. What I'm trying to say is, are there issues for which we have come down on one side or another without even thinking about it? And are there issues where we don't even just, it doesn't even register with us, now, it's very difficult for us to, to figure those out because I'm asking you to think of things that you're not thinking about, and that's very difficult. But ultimately, what I'd like us to do is open our hearts to the Holy Spirit and ask him to show us and just be open to say, ask, is there anything in our practice, in our way of doing things, in our structures, in our, uh, in our just cycle of life that we're doing, which is causing people to, to not be able to know Jesus or come into relationship with him? that 's quite a hard thing to think about, but, but really, we have to ask the Holy Spirit to help us, and this is something that, that i 'm thinking about at the moment you know, and i 'm really examining my own practices, my own words, the words I use when I talk to my friends about Jesus. you know am I using words that make sense in the right order? <laughs> Do you know what I mean, or just just through some of my practices, am I not making any sense to them? Do you know what i 'm saying um, so I wanted to gently submit that to you in love, um, knowing that I struggle with the same things and and in all of this. Uh, wanting you to, to, rather than feel, suddenly think, oh my goodness, maybe I'm right or I'm wrong, or, or even to think, that person's completely wrong about that, you know, how could I possibly have thought that? Then maybe we need to just be going back to God and asking him what he thinks, okay? Ultimately, we need to follow what John Stott said, uh, which is, he said, love your neighbor as yourself is a great uh, and important thing to think. But ultimately, what we really need to think is, we need to love people as God does, not just about how the person next door to us or how we might love ourselves. How is God seeing that person? How is God seeing that person whom we might have the most frustrating, irritating disagreement with about church or about practice or about life? And how do we respond in that? Should we stand? I think the most appropriate thing to do would be to ask the Holy Spirit to come and just enlighten us and show us where we are Show us perhaps where we haven't thought this through. Now, our tendency as believers is to think that we've got everything sorted and thought everything through. In practice, you know, I, I know that from my own life, that so many off times God shows me places where I just haven't thought things through. So let's just ask the Holy Spirit to come and be quiet for a minute. If you could just have the band back as well, that'd be great. And, and let's just ask God to reveal to us...